This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Uh, God damn it, you didn't tell me we're starting. I don't have glasses on. I can't see anything. I said, okay, and then you saw me click something. No, I didn't. I saw a blur of motion because of my bat eyes. I can't see anything. Well, you should have picked it up with your sonar, Ken. <laughs> Failed the spot check. <laughs> Welcome to the American Sex Podcast with Ken Melvoinberg and Sonny Megatron. And don't forget, bickering is our love language. Yes. Well, all right. I'm done bickering with you for a moment because I want to talk to the listeners. Listeners, <laughs> why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because it's funny. Okay. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not done bickering. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to laugh at you. All right. Shh. Ignore him right now. Listeners, I wanted to thank you for something. So I was informed last week, much to my surprise, that I was voted Kinkly.com's sex blogging superhero of 2017. What? Yeah, I know. I've appeared on their list for a few years now. It's a list of 100 bloggers, but I never would have guessed in a gazillion years that I would come in at number one. Now, there's a number of factors that you go... You know, you, you've always been the Susan Lucci of Kinkley's list. No. And yes. Expos. Yeah, Expos. Expos, Expert of the Year. I've been nominated like every year for quite a few. And I really never expect to... I'm like, really? It's me? awesome that you won. Congratula- I I ha- Congratulations, Thank sweetheart. You. You, it's well deserved. I I'm like, what? But okay. So here's how they calculate it. Um, there's a number of different things that go into it, but one of them is popular votes. So those listeners who voted for me, thank you so much. And for those listeners who didn't vote for me, well, thank you anyway, because at least you're here listening. So that's something, right? So thank you, Kinkley.com again for tallying up the top sex blogging superheroes each year. And I strongly encourage the listeners to hop on over to Kinkley.com, go to the top, click the tab that says sex blogs and check out all of the amazing blogs listed. And also a huge thank you to Dr. Ava Cadell's Loveology University that sponsored this year's contest. So I actually won a $2,500 scholarship, Love Coach scholarship, which is awesome, and $500 to do with whatever I want. What are you going to spend it on? I don't know. I'm, are you going to take me out for a fantastic dinner and take me out for a date and then do me? Maybe. Or you're going to pay I'm going to adult and pay bills. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to adult and pay bills. So, um, but we'll see. Maybe I'll take you. want to go to McDonald's, Ken? No. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners... Check out the list. There's some great, amazing blogs on there. And listeners, we've been getting some great feedback about last week's episode. Now, you all really liked our eight tips for amazing anal. So we thought we'd make this sort of a mini sex ed lesson at the beginning of each episode. It's sort of a regular thing. Now, here are eight penis tips. 
wait, wait a minute. I should rephrase that. Here are eight tips about <laughs> penises <laughs> that you should know for maximum pleasure. Okay, you, I'll say You just it. took there away my gangbang. I there, want eight penis tips. There are eight <laughs> penis tips you should know for maximum pleasure. <laughs> okay. Tip number one, know your penis anatomy. Now, one of the best things that you can do to sort of learn about yourself if you have a penis and to get your partner to know something about you, which will maximize your pleasure efforts, is to watch each other masturbate. So penis owners, when you masturbate, make sure that you point out exactly what you do with your fingers, fingernails, any sort of lube that you use and any kind of toys that you like and People that have partners with penises watch to see what they do with the toys and specifically what parts of the penis that they hit with it. One of the best ways that you can find about how a penis is sensitive is to sort of use an analogy of a finger. So when you take your finger and you put it straight out and you rub the top and the bottom of it, you notice that the bottom part where the finger pad is is a little bit more sensitive. Now, it's the same thing on penises. The bottom side of the penis, if somebody is standing erect, is uh, erect. <laughs> I, the, the, I know the what you standing. mean. If someone is standing erect and, <laughs> and erect. And erect. If they're standing erect and they're erect, you rub the top and the bottom of the penis and you'll notice that the bottom of the penis is much more sensitive. Now, these areas of the penis are called the corpus spongiosum and the corpus cavernosum. Tip number two, stop getting so hung up about size. And there's my penis bung. Penis pong? Penis, pe- penis pong? Wait. Is that a new game where I b- bounce my dick off a deck and you catch it in your mouth? Oh, I thought I was just going to hit your dick. Oh, oh we'll no. get to that in tip number eight, though. But okay. anyway, back to tip number two. So the age-old question is, does size matter? And while it's true that, yes, everyone has their individual preferences, overall, size doesn't matter probably as much as you'd think. Now, although I absolutely love me some porn and I watch a lot of it, the downside of watching a lot of porn is you begin to think that the bodies you see in porn are the norm. So while the typical porn penis might be like 8, 9, 10 inches, that length is very unusual in everyday life. In reality, the average penis size is roughly 5.1 inches erect. Now, remember, porn stars are like the athletes of sex. So think about it this way. Would you expect... Every person like down playing hoops at the corner by your house to be as tall and skilled as Michael Jordan? No, of course not. But they're still having just as much fun playing the game. And another thing is, the penis doesn't always have to be the star of the show. And if you expect it to be, sex can get kind of routine and boring for everybody involved. The best sex is had when you use your creativity and lots of parts of your body to bring pleasure to yourself and your partners. Many find oral sex and hand sex preferable to intercourse. I know I do. No, I love your hands and your mouth. Like your dick's cool too, but I like the hands. <laughs> and the, like I like it all. But if, if someone was like, you're on a desert island and you could only have oral hand. Oh, God. What? Wait, if I was on a desert island, like I'd only have hand, oral, or or intercourse shit vaginal and anal what would you pick ken i think i might oh it's a toss-up between hand and mouth but i think i might pick hand you know what this leads us to tip number three (laughs) okay (laughs) tip number three so if you love doing oral but maybe you don't have the mouth size to accommodate your partner or you have tmj one of the things about penises is that you can simulate that feeling of a blowjob with lots of other body parts. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that you can do to simulate all that. In fact, in our world's greatest blowjob class, our first two tips are, number one, the wetter the better. Number two, the hand 
is grand. With these two tips, what you're really doing is you're like simulating things that you would do with your mouth with your hand. So you're going to be doing kind of like a sideways twisting motion up and down and it does stuff very similar to a mouth. But in many ways, it feels better because you can have more tactile sensation with your hand than you can with the mouth. So those of us with a penis can appreciate this. And those of us that have partners with small mouths can give their mouths a break. Number four, dicks don't always like a hard pounding. Now, when we see depictions of masculine folks having sex, like in porn, it's most often faster, harder, it's like totally intense, right? So as a result, many of us have subtly absorbed the false notion that this is the only way to get a penis off. Now, Ken said in his first point that everybody likes different things. So you should experiment to see what feels good, right? We'll apply that to the speed and pressure you use to arouse. Whether it's with your hands, your mouth, or one of your other orifices, it's important to keep your speed and pressure consistent. Now, that is an important fact, especially when the person you're pleasuring is close to orgasm. But you don't always have to perform at maximum speed. You're like, maybe try a slow up, down, up, down. You might be surprised at how much slowing it down actually heats things up. Tip number five, don't forget the prostate. Now, the prostate is a periurethral gland that is located between the bladder and the penis on one side and the bladder and the anus on the other. And it feels amazing when it's played with. This can actually stimulate an orgasm to be 200 to 300% stronger than a regular orgasm. And there's two ways to stimulate the prostate. You can do it externally by rubbing right next to the entrance to the anus, and you can do it internally by going inside and going up towards the belly button. When you get a little bit further up, about two to three inches in, and the person is aroused and they've been aroused for a while, you'll feel a little bean-shaped lump that you're going to want to press very gently. Now, we teach entire classes on this, uh, but just knowing where the prostate is and just beginning to play with it is an awesome thing for penis users. Now, one thing that I will add is that not all people with penises have prostates. Some people have trans penises. Some people have had prostatitis and have had to have their prostate state removed. So just keep in mind that not everybody that has a penis has a prostate. By the way, Sonny and I did a bonus episode on prostate play about a month ago, and you can get this if you subscribe to our Patreon. The bonus content is there at patreon.com backslash American sex. You can also follow us there for free and get other bonuses too, but you get even more bonuses if you give us a dollar donation per month. Tip number six, play ball. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but when I first started playing with dicks, I, I was like, I'm, I'm cool with the dick, but I was absolutely terrified of the balls. I didn't know what to do with them. They were like some alien creatures that were intriguing, but completely frightening at the same time. And then when I learned that they moved on their own and they could disappear up inside the body, I was like completely freaked. I didn't know what to do. But now I know that balls are cool, right? And they like to be played with. So when you're giving a blowjob, for instance, lube up your hand really good. And as you're blowing, stroke the balls and gently tug on the sack. Experiment with different things and ask your partner what feels best to them. And speaking of sacks, those of you who are kinky will be pleased to know that the scrotal sack 
is quite resilient. While you don't want to put too much pressure on the testicles themselves, you know, you don't want them to pop like grapes, the scrotum can take a lot. So go ahead, everyone listening, take your fingers and pinch your earlobe with your flat fingertips. Now go and squeeze as hard as you can. Now see how you can feel the intense pressure, but it's not so painful to the point where you can't stand it and you've got to stop. So that's really similar to the sensitivity of the ball sack. So if you have a vulva, whatever your labia minora, aka the inner lips can take, the scrotal sac can pretty much take too. They feel the same because they're actually the same skin, like literally. Back when we were all embryos in the early weeks of our own fetal development, all of our external sex organs looked identical. So the same skin that ended up later becoming my labia ended up becoming Ken's ball sack, which is... Mind blown. So now that you know this about ball sacks, if you're into pain play, you may want to look into learning about CBT. That stands for cock and ball torment or torture. So you can start by heading to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backslash Sunny Megatron, and check out my CBT video. Tip number seven. If you have a penis, you can have multiple orgasms. Now, yes, you, yes, you with a penis right there, you can have multiple orgasms just like people with vulvas can. You can train your body to do this by implementing a coccygeal muscle exercise routine. And this is something that I like to call cock-ups. You basically get an erection, put a wet washcloth over it, and you bounce it up and down. This coincidentally is the same muscle that controls and starts and stops your stream of urine as you're peeing. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about this and learn how to do these penis kegels and you work your way up and add resistance and you can also stop premature ejaculation, you can go all the way back to American Sex Podcast, episode number two, titled Relationships and Cock-Ups to get the details of the routine. You can eventually work your way up to having multiple orgasms where you'll have a series of dry, maybe a little bit of pre-cum, but without full ejaculation before you actually have that amazing, mind-blowing orgasm, which in this case, from edging yourself, will effectively double the orgasm. And tip number eight, small penis humiliation is a pretty common fantasy. Yeah, I know. I said before that size doesn't matter as much as we think it does, but hear me out on this. So those into this type of consensual humiliation play use the myth that bigger is better in their role play. Now, first of all, it's important to know that small penis humiliation, also known as SPH, is a consensual form of psychological BDSM. So that means before you engage in this type of role play with anyone, you need to talk about it, find out what type of humiliation you're both into or not into, negotiate your boundaries and all that stuff first. But as far as humiliation play goes, SPH is surprisingly common and not just for people with penises smaller than the average. There are plenty of well-endowed people that love to be on the receiving end of this type of erotic verbal beratement. But why? Well, the reasons are many and it's kind of complex. So I'm going to send you over to YouTube again. Go to my Sunny Megatron channel and look up my SPH small penis humiliation video where I talk about it a bit more. But I did want to bring it up here to let you know that if you do fantasize about this, you're not weird at all. The desire for SPH isn't something to feel embarrassed about. It can be cathartic and therapeutic to play with some of your insecurities in a consensually erotic way. Oh, and by the way, so don't send me unsolicited dick pics on Snapchat and ask me to humiliate your teeny tiny penis because it's so small, because I won't do that. And I will block your ass so fast. You do not know how many pictures I get on Snapchat. I'm so sick of small dicks. I mean, you know. I, I actually do know how many pics you get. Yeah, because you tell every, me every time, time. Every time. 
So there you go. Eight penis tips you should know <laughs> for maximum pleasure. Maximum pleasure. <laughs> now, before we get to our interview with sex coach and the host of Sex Gets Real podcast, Don Sarah, here is your weekly reminder to enter this month's American Sex Podcast giveaway sponsored by Castle Megastore. In November, we're giving away a beautiful harness glass dildo. So go to SunnyMegatron.com backslash harness glass giveaway to enter. Castle Megastore is also giving away the Lalo Sona and Lalo Sona Cruise to two winners in November. You're automatically entered in the drawing when you make a purchase at castlemegastore.com. When you make that purchase, remember to use your 20% off discount code S-U-N-N-Y Sunny. So that was a ton of stuff. If you missed any of the links, you can get them in our show notes as usual at SunnyMegatron.com or at AmericanSexPodcast.com. And please, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are really important to us. And also make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. This week, our interview is with sexuality educator and coach Dawn Sarah. That's spelled S-E-R-R-A. So here's her bio. Sex is a social skill. Dawn Sarah speaks it, writes it, teaches it, and she helps you learn how to develop it. She's the creator and host of the weekly podcast, Sex Gets Real, and of the online sexuality and body acceptance summit, Explore More. She also lectures at colleges and universities on sex and relationships and works one-on-one with clients who need to get unstuck around their pleasure and desire. Dawn's approach to sex is intersectional, inclusive, and justice-based. So this is a great conversation. Now, we talk about the weirdest questions sex coaches get, unusual fetishes. We deep dive into body issues and, you know, like self-confidence, size, diet culture, ability, all that stuff. You're going to really enjoy it. So make sure also you listen to Dawn's podcast, Sex Gets Real, because Ken and I are going to be on in a few weeks spilling all sorts of juicy stuff. So without further ado, here's Dawn Sarah. With us, we have the amazing Dawn Sarah. Hi, Dawn. Hi to both of you. Thanks for having me. So I, I read your intro before. You do a whole bunch of stuff. You're a sex coach. You do the Explore More Summits. You have an amazing podcast. So you're you're all full of stuff. Yeah. I I dabble in all of the things. Now I, I have a question. A lot of our audience members have they're they're new to all of this stuff when it comes to sex and sexuality and sex positivity. And I think that a lot of people don't have a basic understanding of what people that are a sex coach does. Now, sometimes they think that you might be a sex worker that is like teaching them how to do a certain thing or have a certain type of orgasm, or you might be somebody who coaches them in love relationships. Can you tell us more about the specifics of both what you do and what people can expect out of a session with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of the many hats, one of them that I do is either one-on-one or two-on-one coaching. So I work with individuals and couples. I, I'm super open to actually, I worked with a triad once. So any relationship configuration, lots of people do sex coaching lots of different ways. It's a, an unregulated space. So, uh, people kind of make it whatever it needs to be for themselves. For me, I have been through not only lots of trainings around sex education, but I've also been through levels one and two of the Gottman Method Couples Therapy training program. And I've also completed Terry Reel's 
um, relationship and marriage counseling program. So I have a background in not only talking about sex and teaching about sex, but also helping people with relationship issues. So the way that I do sex coaching and relationship coaching is very similar to counseling or therapy. It most of my clients are around the world. So we do it online using Skype. And basically, people come to me when they feel really stuck around something. Most of the people that I work with either have a lot of shame, they are having a shifting identity, and they don't know how to communicate that with a partner. They've long been unhappy with their sex life. And they're finally at a point where they feel like, maybe I need to talk about this or the relationship is pretty good. But there's just some things around like libidos and desires or kinks that just need a little bit of of massaging, and sometimes having a professional present to hold that space and to just kind of help you unpack and go on the journey with you is what you need. And so that's exactly what I do. I basically create really safe spaces where we get to go on a journey together. And my job is to hopefully ask new questions and to offer new resources so that people can break the ways that they've been stuck, or the thought patterns they've been in, so that they can start approaching some of these things around like pleasure and libido and bodies with a little bit more curiosity and playfulness instead of kind of, you know, we tend to get into that place of like, Oh, God, sex, it's such a thing. And God, if we bring it up again, there's going to be another fight, nothing changes. (laughs) My job is to kind of give you an opportunity to try on and practice changing so that then in your relationship, you can start having new conversations and asking questions you've never asked in however long you've been together. Or, you know, if you're dating, helping you to kind of navigate some of the places where you have the most insecurity. So I'm basically like a co-explorer that just helps you to kind of move in the direction of where you'd like to go. Now, without outing anybody or kink shaming anyone have you ever had a moment where you're like what the fuck (laughs) Uh, where it's been like you know just something that's so far in left field that you had a hard time rationalizing it um not in my coat well in my coaching practice um i'd say 90 percent of my clients have been either cis women or uh, queer non-binary folks, because other than couples work, most of the cis het men that have approached me for coaching, even when I do all kinds of, you know, like pre-interviews and vetting, ultimately really just want someone that they can expose themselves to or kind of have a sexual relationship with because they feel so invisible in their marriage. And Sex workers are amazing for exploring some of those places. That's not currently what I do. And so I've had to kind of put some, some boundaries around who I'm willing to work with and in what capacity. On the podcast, though, I, I did just get an email that, uh, that, that was new for me. And, <laughs> and? Now, now this is sounding expand. juicy right, let's, let's explore this a little bit Don. well so i decided not to answer it on my show but hey i'm not on my show so we could talk awesome. about it uh, so, 
So this individual wrote to me and it was a very long email, but basically what it came down to was their kink was having new experiences that they've never had before. And as a cis woman, they had recently realized that they I had I swear never... this wasn't me, by the way, because that is one of my kids. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and what's the problem? And he had tattoos well, and a big mustache. Okay, go on. <laughs> allow me to continue. <laughs> and so they said they had realized that they've always wondered what it felt like to be pregnant, but they had no interest in being a parent. They'd be a terrible one. They had all these reasons both um, mentally and financially and just lifestyle-wise where they would never be able to parent. And they were basically saying, is there actually really an ethical problem if I work with someone who wants to be a stud to impregnate me and I get pregnant? And then once I'm done being pregnant, I just give the baby away and I'm white. So that's going to be easy. So can I just oh. like, can I do <laughs> the, the pregnancy? <laughs> right. Can I do the pregnancy thing just so I can have my jollies about trying this new thing and then, you know, just like give it away. Is that an ethical problem? And I kind yes, of was it like, is an ethical problem. I, I right? so thought this was going to go a different direction. I thought this was going to lead into splorching, which is something we need to explore in a future oh, yeah. episode. Of those of you that don't know what splorching is, it's in it's uh, inserting a gelatin shaped alien looking egg into your vagina or your anus <gasps> and pretending you're giving birth to an alien gelatin baby. Because if her baby is <laughs> going to be an alien gelatin baby, knock your socks oh, off, uh, right? Yeah, not hurting anybody, <laughs> right? Not hurting anybody, right? So that, you know, I have gotten emails here and there over the several years that I've been doing this where I'm just kind of like, I'm not sure if that's legitimate your question. You're just trying to get a rise out of me. So I'm just not going to answer those questions. But this one, yeah, it got me. Yeah. yeah. And I've and I've had things that are similar in the past because having done this for a long time, like one of the ones that comes to mind immediately, and I think we might have talked about this with Dick Wound, is that I had um this is when I was running a dungeon in Detroit, Michigan, and there was a client who wanted us to run over him with a car. Oh. Uh, so that was just a big no, like yeah. across the board. I don't care how consensual it is, I'm not going to murder you because you say it's okay. Right. You know, that's just not cool. And the other one was this guy who was in one of my networking for kinky people classes, and I don't mind outing this individual because I'm not saying his name, because it, it really bothered me what he did. But it was a combination Nazi and cowboy fetish. This guy's wife just passed on and he talked about how much he hated her. And his fetish was to dress up as a cowboy Nazi and shave the heads of young cis women. Oh, shit. Wow. And I didn't know how to feel about it. And then he insisted. You were like, on, try not to kink no, shave and me that, a butt. And no, I, and, I, no <laughs> and I was all, yeah. you know, into like, you know, your kink, not my kink. But then he started to say, you have to watch my porn collection videos of get women getting their head shaved. And I'm like, I disagree, sir. No, yes. I do not. I do not yeah. have to watch your kink. That is not my kink. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And everything about this just bugged the shit out of me. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it was more that he hated his wife so much. Yeah, that's that what got me like, too. <laughs> Like the cowboy Nazi thing, great. Be be Buckaroo Himmler all day long. That's you know whatever, dude. It's you know it's fantasy role play. But don't don't hate on your dead wife. Yeah. I mean, what kind of a human being are you? Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So you know. Well. Yeah. There there we are. You know. So we do get stuff like as educators, as sex educators, if you've ever wondered about it, and we do want to hear all of your fetishes and try <laughs> oh, to help yeah. you with your issues. But just know that everybody has their limits, in that there are some things that are just 
above and beyond. And that's pretty non-consensual what your, you know, yes. your question was about. So Yeah. That yeah, there was a lot of issues with 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 what was written in, but oh, can I share one other that I got that I actually yeah, I delighted me? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I got this email a couple of months ago that just like you know, I get a lot of emails from people who are kind of like, I'm sharing my big bad secret that I'm super ashamed of. And it's things like spanking or, you know, wanting to be tied up. And they're, they're pretty, you know, common things that would be easy to get information around. But this, this young, very articulate fellow wrote to me and he was like, I have no shame about what I'm sharing with you. I don't think I'm broken. I don't think I'm weird. I just literally have never heard of anybody liking this. And I'm just curious if you've ever heard of anyone liking this too. So I'm asking. And so like, I loved how self-aware he was and grounded in it. But his his sexual interest, um, which is, I don't want to say a fetish because he doesn't need it as part of his sexual experience, but uh-huh. something that he enjoys is the raised letters on t-shirts. And if they're cracked and peeling, the better. Really? And so he likes the smell. He likes the look. He likes the feel. And if the letters are kind of crumbling off a little bit, that's even more interesting to him. And he was like, I just love it. I love everything about it. And it's a thing, but I've never heard of anyone else having that. And I honestly was able to say, I haven't heard of that either, but it sounds rad that you can articulate it that way. So like, enjoy it. (laughs) I love it when I run into people. One, I just like you get excited when I'm like, what? That's your fetish. That's so cool. Cause I've never even heard of it. And I do get happy when it's like, you're so secure in it. And you're so self-aware to be like, this is my thing. I'm not ashamed. And I want to say one of the other ones that I had run into that was along the same lines was a gentleman who had a fetish about wooden furniture legs so the legs of chairs the legs of couches tables and it was the same sort like he had certain like and if they have this kind of intricate carving on that's better and he was really into it and he's like i know this is weird but it's my thing and rock on that's it yeah i was like cool yeah i just like looked over at the chairs next to me like do i find those interesting i'm like no not really but i can appreciate that he appreciates them <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I very much appreciate other people's kinks and fetishes, even if they're not mine. And one of the things I wanted to add is, are you familiar with Rule 34? No. Rule oh. 34, if there is a kink for it, there is a porn for it. And that's uh, something that you can find out about some of the most interesting sorts of either porn or fetishes by looking up Rule 34 on the internet. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So now, all right, so we've learned about what a a sex coach does. You, in the last couple of years, have become very known for your legendary, very successful, insightful Explore More Summits. Now, Ken and I were honored to be, what, speakers in two Mm -hmm. two of your summits. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, So what is your Explore More Summit? You know, what are they? What inspired you to do them? And what are people getting out of them? So, you know, over the years, I've attended, God, dozens of online teleseminars and telesummits and video speaker series. You know, there's symposiums. There's lots of different words. Um, And I had always kind of noticed, like, it was an incredible experience because in a very short amount of time, I got access to a lot of different ideas. 
And I was seeing people do them so freaking poorly, mm. you know, just like, oh, from the delivery to the questions being asked to the amount of time, you know, like to me, it's unreasonable to have like eight 45 minute talks in a day and do that three days in a row. Like that just feels unfair. Right. And, and so it's just kind of like learning and exploring. And I attended one that I really loved that I thought was done really well. And I just thought, I love like one of my favorite things in the world is just talking to other incredible people that have incredible ideas and like making them shine and letting them do their thing and just giving other people a platform to say like, here's some new ideas. And so I kind of went back and forth on like, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't for God, I don't know, probably a year and a half before Tristan Taramino was finally like, you're fucking doing this. And we're picking, nice. love Tristan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're picking a name right now. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> then I had a name, and she um, sent out some emails to some folks like Dan Savage to try and make a couple of connections for me. And people expressed some interest, and I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this thing. So I wanted an opportunity. Like ultimately, this is somewhat selfish because I wanted a place where lots of really rad people I admired were having conversations in the things that I love the most. And so I've decided let's just do that. And so every spring for the past couple of years, I've done a 10 day summit with 30 speakers talking about everything from kink with the two of you to, mm-hmm. you know, relationship advice and non-monogamy to grief and death and, and just kind of everything that's in the wheelhouse of feelings, connection and pleasure. Right. And the people who have attended have just given me the most amazing feedback. Like the only complaint that I ever get after the summit is three hours a day is a lot if you're like super busy and have kids. Right, right. And I, I don't disagree with that. But I'm also not going to ask people to show up every day for 30 days. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just have to kind of like cut our losses on that one thing. But um, the community is just full of so many people who want permission, who are kind of working through what it means to center their needs and to ask for what they want and to try new things and to maybe stop kind of getting stuck in these painful or toxic situations and to have community where they can say like, Hey, I'm really feeling a lot of shame about X, Y, Z, or does anyone have resources on like how to get into flogging? And then the community or how to get up. into t-shirts with raised letters. <laughs> right. They're feeling a little bit, you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I try to design it so that it feels a little bit like an in-person conference where, you know, anytime you go to a great conference, there's like five talks happening in every time slot. And so of course right. you have some FOMO because there's usually multiple talks you want to hit at a single time and you can't, you know, turn the clock back, Hermione style. Right, and, right. And I have to that. say as a sex educator, it's even worse for us because every time Sonny and I are giving a speech at one of those conferences, the ones that we want to go to are happening at the exact same yes. time. Yeah, it's yes. awful. So we have guaranteed FOMO whenever we're at a conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's awful. 
Yeah. And I just want to mention for the for the listeners listening, these Explore More Summits are free. Yeah. So it's not like people are, you know, their eyes are kind of glazing over like, yeah, it's free, 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 free. Mm-hmm. You just got to sign up, which is awesome. Yeah, that was really important to me. Like I wanted to, you know, and as I've grown and learned, I've I've tried to make it more and more accessible. So the first year it was free and online. And then I heard from people who have a variety of disabilities that it wasn't really accessible if there wasn't closed captions or transcripts. Mm. And so the following year, I made sure we had closed captions and transcripts. And then I heard from people that they felt like there was some kind of classism going on because there are some bonuses that you can buy, like group calls and coaching and that kind of thing. And some people just don't have the means for that. And so then I added sliding scale spots and scholarships. So I'm just constantly trying to like grow and make it accessible to everybody and um, this December, for the very yeah. first time, I'm having I'm a little... I'm excited about this. Me too. Um, I'm having a breakout edition. So instead of 10 days, 30 speakers, it's going to be 5 days and 14 speakers. And everything is about bodies. So... Now, why? Why the focus on bodies? Why a whole summit just on... Is it body positivity? Like, what's mm-hmm. included? So um, it really came from again, a selfish place. I apparently just like creating from a very selfish place. But, uh, you know, as someone who's in a fat body, I spent so much of my life feeling like I would never find someone who would love me or desire me or want me. And I would hide and settle for terrible relationships. And God, I was cruel to myself. And, and, you know, I've been on a journey the past couple of years around fat acceptance and learning about diet culture and fat phobia. And some of the stuff that came out of the last Explore More Summit was a lot of people who really wanted to try these kinky things or to shift their relationship and just not feeling like they were worthy or they deserved it or, you know, well, I'll try the thing when I lose a certain amount of weight. Right. And I just thought, like, we need to have a conversation about body politics, specifically. And like, I want us to not only talk about diet culture, and fat phobia, and fat shaming and thin fetishism, which is very much what our culture is, but also how those things intertwine and are directly the result of white supremacy and racism and capitalism and colonialism. And so I have a lot of people of color and indigenous voices talking. And Also, I wanted it to be about how can we, when we're in a marginalized body that's fat or disabled or black or whatever it is, trans, how can we still find ways to center our pleasure and center Uh our voices when the world's telling us we shouldn't be taking up that space? And so that's kind of what we're grappling with. Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing! 
Bing! Castle Megastore. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money. You'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my God, give me water. That was the best orgasm ever. I know you're fancy, and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys, haven't you, you frisky little fox? Well, I also know that you enjoy a good discount, don't you, dear? You now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer Lalo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything your little heart, or, well, <clears throat> other parts, desire at lelo.com using discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you can thank me later. So I have a question that sort of dovetails with this, but it's in a very different and probably unexpected way. <laughs> um, there's there's a there's a kind of adipositivity, which is the love of people that are chubby or fat, that is involving strip clubs. Now, strip clubs that have a BBW night oftentimes do their best night in the entire year because they limit to how many BBW performers go. And when they're all together at one time, it tends to bring people out in droves because they don't get to see that very often. And is that something that is, I, I just want your comments on that. What do you think about like strip clubs offering a BBW night and, and actually being the most successful night of the year for that strip club? So April Flores is part of this edition. April's amazing. I love yeah, April. She's amazing. And I kind of asked her about the BBW award at the adult video network awards kind of like you know the oscars for porn and she had this wonderful thing that she said of the bbw category is important because we need to recognize fat performers and the risks and the shame that they take on and showing themselves in this way and to let audiences who appreciate them know that like they're valuable and we see you but she said what she'd prefer is if people in fat bodies and thin bodies and disabled bodies could all just go up for the same award. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be when we know like things have shifted. Right. And so I kind of have a similar feeling about the strip club of like, I think, I think people are hungry for a variety of bodies. They don't always know that they are, but I think like as we get exposed to just the rich beauty and natural diversity of all the shapes that bodies come in, like it's amazing to see. It's so exciting when you start consciously pulling those images into like your media diet and who you follow on social media. And so like, I love that people have a night at the strip club where they can go and just be like, fuck yeah, this is filled with fat asses, you know? And like, I love fat asses. They're juicy and gorgeous and whatever. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like, and I cannot lie. Yeah. But I also wonder like, why can't we have fat strippers and disabled strippers on every night, just mixed in the way that you would see like at a burlesque show. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It's like a step in the in the direction. Yeah, yeah. I am looking forward to this summit for a lot of reasons. And I think one of the things that I grapple with is 
as a person who is a fat person, and you know, I've gone through my life with a lot of body shame. There were like three seconds of my life where I'd be considered conventionally thin, um, but mostly as a fat person throughout my life. And oh, you know, we all have our issues. You know, I there are things about my face and my hair and my stomach, and we all have our things, right? And I am very much on board with the body positive movement. However, I get confused and conflicted. When I'm like, all right, I'm 46 years old. I'm pre-diabetic. I need to change my diet. I need to go work out. And yeah, for me, for my body, I need to lose weight. Like I, that's just my situation right now. But then I start feeling really guilty. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I want to change something about myself, I start feeling really like, I shouldn't want that. I'm, I'm bending into conventional society or, People will hear that, you know, this is what I'm doing and that that must be a value judgment on somebody else's size or their eating situation or whatever it is. And it's not. So I have a problem or I don't know, I'm confused about how do I balance this is something I'm doing for me or this is something I'm doing for a body modification, like how I dye my hair or I've gauged my ears or that sort of thing versus this is unhealthy thinking. One example is I have a friend who has been heavy all of her life, and she recently did lose a lot of weight. And she she was having conversation with me, and she's like, you know, um, I really I think I'm going to go talk to a plastic surgeon. I have some saggy skin, and 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 she went on like this 10, 15 minute like, but 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 I'm doing it because you know I really you know I'm not doing it because of society, and I'm not and like defending herself. And I said, you know what? If you want to do this, that's Good enough. You know what? You're doing it for you. So where do we bridge that gap or draw that line of like, this is unhealthy and this is okay? Yeah. This is where I get confused. It's a really complicated thing. And I think like the first thing we just have to name is because we live in a culture where the ultimate villain is a fat body. Mm-hmm. To be fat is to be lazy, unmotivated, dirty, like literally the villains in cartoons and Disney movies, the epitome of failure. Right. We have all these messages that we internalize, and it's hard to move through the world in a fat body, especially if you're in what's termed super fat. So someone who can't fit into clothes that are at Lane Bryant or one of the plus size stores, you know, someone who's 450, 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it's a truth that if you make your body smaller, it's easier to survive the outside world's reaction to you. Mm-hmm. And so if changing your body is how you feel like you can survive the abuse and the comments and the trolling, and that's what you need, then you get to do that. On the same kind of plane is our bodies are completely and totally our own. We get to do whatever the fuck we want with them from changing the way our genitals look to piercing them to gaining weight and losing weight and changing the size of our boobs. I mean, we get to do whatever we want that feels good for us. And we have to recognize that almost all of the messages we have about how we feel about our body come from the soup that we're swimming in that tell us to be feminine is to have bigger boobs and a smaller waist to be Uh desirable as these things. And so like, it's a complicated thing of how do I kind of confront that and decide for me what feels good. And I think one of the traps we fall into is we assume 
that healthy means weight loss. And we assume that to lose weight is to take charge of your health. And that's fundamentally false. And like science proves it over and over again, people just don't Mm want to listen. But for you in your body, if changing your body and doing more movement and becoming more intuitive with the foods that you eat so that you have more energy and you move with more ease, like do that. You know, like so much of fat acceptance is about, can we just exist and recognize our humanity and that we deserve love and respect no matter what our health status is, no matter what the size of our body is, no matter what our ability is. And we are really far from that. But right. at an individual level, we each have to decide what's the best way we can just survive right now and what's going to make us feel the best. And if what makes me feel the best is is not worrying about counting calories and not worrying about, you know, whatever the latest fad diet is. And so maybe I put on a little bit of weight. Great. If my mental health is, I really want to make sure that I have a strict workout regimen, that I'm eating foods that give me lots of energy, and maybe weight loss comes with that. Great. And so I think it's kind of this, um, we have to be able to give ourselves permission to live how we need. And at the same time, just kind of be thinking like, where did I get some of these messages? And why do I believe these things when yeah. we have the spoons for it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I don't know, it's difficult. Like, like my, my first reaction to hearing that someone's like, oh, they have a shot now for a couple hundred bucks. You, you stick it under your chin. It gets rid of that like turkey neck. Cause I'm getting turkey neck. And I was like, my first thought was like, I want that. And <laughs> I was like, I'm a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I go through this like, like shame spiral of like, I'm ashamed. I want that. I'm ashamed. You know, like, how do I, how should I feel? Am I wanting that for the right reasons? Do I really not want that? Am I bending to society? Yeah. I, I have a question actually for the both of you. And actually this is directed more towards you, Sonny. Um, I think that you know that my approach to any kind of surgery comes from a different angle. I like larger women. I like women that have large breasts and large butts and big tummies and everything that comes along with it. Um, but Sunny and I were talking about the possibility of her getting, you know, her boobs lifted. Um, and I'm against it, but not because of any sexual selfish needs that I have. Coming from a medical perspective, I just don't want her having surgery. What are your thoughts on that of just not having surgery at all? Because it's basically poisoning and stabbing your body. Who are you asking? Both of you. Well, this is actually directed at you, Sonny. Yeah. Like all the way in after you do. My thought is if it's for cosmetic reasons, yes, the older you get, the more risky surgery is. And that's something that you have to weigh out for yourself. Like, is the risk worth what you're getting? For me, like I have these giant boobs that I have divots in my shoulders. I have costochondritis. It hurts my ribs. Like it's in the older I get and the more that my body hurts, the more I'm like, I can't handle this anymore. Am I a bad person for not wanting you to get that surgery though? Because not of sexual. You're not a bad person for what you're thinking because you can think whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You're a bad person if you're like, no, I'm going to put my foot down. Don't get this. I'm not doing that. I support whatever you you do across the board. You can think what you want. Like, I'm not the thought police, you know? You kind of are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do what I want. Like, when it comes down to it, I guess I will consider your feelings, but I will, I'm going to ultimately do what I want. Now, Dawn, what do you think about the same question? So, One, I'm not going to police anybody's choices. But two, I had a lot of conversations when I was 
doing the talks to prep for this summit about surgery. And I actually just attended a fat camp uh, in August here in Vancouver, BC, where... Can you elaborate as to what fat camp is? Yeah. So it's basically this um, special interest group at a local university that has a fat positive group and they have like monthly meetups, but once a year they do a day long intensive that's called fat camp and everyone shows up. It's centered around fat folks. And so they... They don't allow non-fat folks to come until they've gotten tickets to all the fat people. And then if there's space, then folks can come too. Uh, and we just kind of talk about the politics of fatness and the lived experience and kind of just feel <laughs> not alone. Um, right. And someone that was there was trans and was saying, all I want, all I freaking want is top surgery. And they've been to like 10 different doctors who have all said, well, you're way overweight. You know, overweight is, of course, a value judgment. But, you know, there are words, you're overweight. And so we won't do top surgery because it's not safe. But hey, we'd love to stable your stomach to help you lose weight. And it's kind of this recognition of like, the medical community is saying it's not safe for me to get top surgery. I have guests at the summit who were told, um, well, we can't do this surgery on your knee or your ankle until you lose weight. But hey, we know this great weight loss surgery. And so there's this bizarre kind of mind fuck of we won't do the things that you need to feel comfortable in your body and or to actually heal injury because it's not safe but it's safe to cut you open and to either remove your stomach or to, you know, make your stomach smaller because we see you fundamentally as only being fat. And so I think just kind of knowing that for me, unless there was like a real genuine need, like chronic pain that was just really difficult to manage, or I actually had some type of illness that really required that intervention, I think um, surgery is pretty low on the list for me, just as far as like weight loss and bodies go. Um, But, you know, that's my body and and my perspective. And I don't live with, I mean, I live with chronic pain, but not a kind of chronic pain that would be fixed with surgery. So, right. And I know that being in a fat body, I'm going to be told, hey, we'd love to do weight loss surgery on you. That would fix your knee when actually I have a knee injury. Right. So, right. Right. I actually have a comment here that I think sort of shed some light on what Dawn was just talking about and something that I had asked a friend of mine, and this has to do with trans people in particular. Um, For a long time, I thought, and I now believe that this was an incorrect way of thinking, that uh, trans kids specifically maybe shouldn't go through any sort of hormone therapy or any surgeries before they're like 16 to 18 years old. And a friend of mine who was trans told me the reason why what I was saying is a bad idea. And I think it also applies to somebody who is overweight and risk of any sort of a top trans surgery. And that's because the suicide rate in trans people is so high that this one slightly risky surgery might be the thing that saves their lives. Yeah. And I think that it's important to note that, that with trans people in particular, that this kind of has a different cast, especially if they're both trans and overweight, and that the suicide uh, issue is something that is kind of overlooked when it comes to the overall picture, especially by physicians. Yeah. 
Because they get like f- like maybe five hours of training on sexuality stuff altogether. Right, like right. They really, you know, unless they're, you know, tra- you know, this is what one of the reasons why what Dawn in why what Sonny and I do is so important that we actually train physicians and we train doctors and we train uh, well, physicians, doctors are the same thing. We train right. nurses <laughs> <laughs> and also medical professionals. But and, and healthcare workers and too. healthcare workers, yeah. and it's incredibly <laughs> important that they get the information that we have to sort of like let them look at this from a different perspective. Yeah, very good point. So, Don, you are so just well versed and confident in everything that you're saying. Have you always? been like this about yourself or have you been wrestling with because you said you're doing this summit for selfish reasons so is is part of your confidence i know for me i i sound very confident a lot but some of my confidence is kind of like fake it till you make it you know what i mean like i sound more confident than i really am because i know other people are listening and i have my days where i have my self doubts so what what is what's in dawn's head right now well, right now, I'm a very different person than I was, you know, even maybe three and a half years ago. But mm-hmm. for me now, I am at a place where I think about my body and how I feel about it, Meh, you know, kind of every once in a while. Um, I feel pretty comfortable when I see myself naked in the mirror. I know what I look like at this point. I've been in a fat body for my entire adult life. So it's not like a shock. Um, and, you know, I don't really have shame. Like I used to have parts of my body, specifically my tummy, because I have a big tummy, that like, People weren't allowed to acknowledge, they weren't allowed to touch, even if we were naked and having sex, like it was a major no-go zone. I would wear clothes to hide it or keep the lights off. And now, you know, I'm definitely at a place where touch it, it's a part of me, it feels good, whatever, you know, and maybe like 5% of the time I'm like, "Eh, it still feels kind of weird, but it's, (laughs) it's just, you know, so, so infrequent. And that's Uh fairly new. Um, I think I still feel pretty self-conscious when I'm in situations where I'm surrounded by new people. And especially if I'm the fattest person in the room, I'm very conscious of that. Um, I'm very conscious if I take like a yoga or a dance class and I'm the only person who's in a fat body, you know, so like those kinds of spaces, I feel self-conscious, but um, just in my regular life, you know, I have people of all different sizes and all of my social media at this point is just like filled to the fucking brim with like fat naked people. So, you know, Yay. it's just kind of my normal. Nice. Yeah. Does, does any of that ever make you feel like you're objectified if somebody is a chubby chaser and they like focus specifically on dating uh, like heavier women? Is there any objectification that goes into that? You know, my mind has changed on that very recently. Uh, one of the speakers at the summit, her name is Carissa Enna King, and she is a YouTuber and a blogger that has like, I don't know, like a hundred thousand followers. She's enormous. Um, and she runs a blog called fat girl flow and she used to be a sex worker and she's very out about that. And, um, she's non-binary and she's in a fat body and her entire blog and YouTube channel are about fat fashion. And So she's just super visible with her body. And I actually kind of talked to her a little bit about this. And she said, we talk about people who like fat bodies in a very dismissive way. 
if someone were to say, I prefer thin bodies, or I find all of these thin actresses really hot, we would consider that totally normal. But the second somebody says, I really like fat bodies, I love fat women, like, and I love looking at all of these fat women, and I love dating fat women, we think, okay, well, you're different, you're a little bit of an oddball, you're fetishizing. And it's because we see fat bodies as inherently undesirable culturally. And that just kind of really got me thinking, like, I have certainly, there is one person uh, that I was chatting with a couple of years ago who, <laughs> like, not only liked fat bodies, but like, one of the requests was, can we stand in the mirror with me behind you and my hands running over you so I can just feel what it's like to be in your body? And I just kind of started getting Ooh, this that's feeling. that's almost like Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. Like it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I got this feeling of like, like, I could pretty much say anything and you wouldn't give two fucks because you just want to like be near the fat because you wish you were the fat, right? So that felt kind of gross. But like, at this point now, if somebody's like, I really like thick women, I like big tummies, I like big asses, like, it's just hot. I've always preferred it. Rad, because I don't want somebody who's going to be timid around my body because they've never been around my body. Like, having sex with me is different than having sex with a thin person. You're not going to pick me up and put me against the wall. I might need a liberator wedge or to have my feet tied in a position in order to do that position. And like, I want someone who's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to tie your legs up so we can do this. I don't want somebody who's going to be like, I don't really know what to do with you because I've never been around a fat person before. So like at this point, I'm all about appreciation and preference. And as long as you <laughs> recognize that I, I am fat and I am other things. And if you like right. my human decency, then we can talk. And I think that I think that goes for anybody. Like if you are objectifying me to the extent where all you see is the thing you're objectifying me for and you don't see me as a person, whether it's my fat, my hair, my skin, my, you know, whatever right. it is, I'm none with you. You know, that's I, not. I think that's the issue with me in particular, though, is that I like it. I find fat women hot, but it isn't the sole center of their being. I just want to not be like the creepy guy who's fetishizing someone because of a, a, because of one of my sexual desires. I don't, I don't think you're the creepy. I mean, yeah. but, but I strive not to be the creepy right. guy because I have I could be considered creepy by someone. So I just I don't want to be that guy unless they want to creep. And then, yeah, exactly. And then like I'll you're turn good the at being the consensual. Oh, creep. I'm great at being yeah. a consensual creep, but I don't want to be an accidental creep. Yeah. And I think I think you 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 have a good balance of like. I like bodies of all shapes and sizes, including larger bodies, but you're not like, oh, let me bury my face in your fat roll. Like, you know, you're not weird. <laughs> you know? Well, and like, I'm weird, just not that kind of weird. Right, right. <laughs> and Well, and even like a pre and just being like, oh, God, I love when I'm smothered by fat tummies and fat thighs when you're like riding my face. Like, that's all fine and good. It's just, I think if you encounter someone who's uncomfortable in their body, and they just have some body shame around their size, there's a much higher likelihood they're going to think that your appreciation of their body is creepy, because internally, uh. they think that they're not lovable, and that there's no way you could possibly find them desirable. Whereas someone yeah. who's like, fuck yeah, I'm fat. And like, I have great sex. And I've done a lot of work to get to this place. And then someone comes along is like, well, I really like fat women. Great, because I'm fat. Let's make this fun. 
Right. Right. And it's funny because like now I'm thinking back to as a kid, my mother was fat and she would always tell me she's like, you know, if a guy comes up to me in a bar, you know, because this is back in the 70s and 80s where that was the only pickup culture was like (laughs) bar. You didn't have the Internet. Right. Guy comes up to me in a bar. And if he's like, oh, I really like fat women. She's like, I get away from him immediately because something must be wrong with him. If that, you know, and it's like I'm. Yeah. Now looking back at that in a whole new Whole yeah, new life. I think there was a culture back then that what was pleasing to the touch wasn't necessarily socially pleasing to the eye, where now I think people are like, fuck that. I want to like big women. Yeah. And I think there's more acceptance now. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. This is giving me lots to think about. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to think about my chin and. <laughs> <laughs> While you bury your face in my, in my fat She hates it when skin. I do Zerbits on her stomach. Oh, so yeah. I love doing that. She hates it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. No, but I also, I'm thing. like, I'm. what did you call me? A hairless cat? I'm like a hairless cat. Like, don't touch me. Like, I'm a don't touch me person. <laughs> yeah. Because my body hurts all the time. Oh. So there's a certain way I have to be touched. So... You know, like most romantic partners, you lightly stroke and it's like a tickly. I will, I will punch you in the face if you like. It has I have to, to be rubber. Like there's peanut butter on her. Yeah, it's skin like a deep tissue massage. <laughs> that feels good. And, and you, she, she can't even touch me lightly without going. Ooh, that feels awful on my fingers because it tickles my fingertips. I don't like that. <laughs> I think I have some sensory issues, Ken. I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> She's like Mr. Glass. <laughs> All right. Maybe you're Mr. Glass. Maybe you're a supervillain. Maybe I am. There you go. Well, on that note, um, I want to thank you, Don, for having this discussion with us. Thank it's you given so me much, a Dawn. lot to think about. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to go like digest. And I cannot wait until the summit. Was it the, the December 4th and 5th? Is it? It's December 4th through the 8th. Okay, so where give us the information. Okay. Where can we find it and all that fun stuff? So for the summit, if you want to do the Bodies Edition, that's this December, you just go to exploremoresummit.com. When you register, it's free, and then you'll get access. The talks are up for 24 hours. There's three per day. Um, you also get free workbooks and access to the community. And uh, if you want to check out my podcast, that's at sexgetsreal.com. And then if you're interested in coaching, donsarah.com is where you can find me. And then I'm on all the social media as Don Sarah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Don. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you, for Dawn. having me. This was so well, fun. Yay. And for listeners, we'll have all of those notes in uh, the, whatchamacallit. They're called show notes, Ken. Show notes. You always thank forget you. that. We'll have I all of the show notes in the, in the things. Show notes. I don't know. In the yes. thing I can't remember with the whatchamacallit. Just go to the place. <laughs> go to the place on the internet, <laughs> on the internet. and read the things. <laughs> AmericanSexPodcast.com or SunnyMegatron.com and you can get all the show notes. And thank you, Don. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag Psychicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. 
Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.